You are listening to As a Woman, episode 130, Clomid versus Letrozole. Welcome to As a Woman, the podcast hosted by fertility physician, Dr. Natalie Crawford, to educate and empower women. Each week, learn about your health, your fertility, and how they relate to your true self. Become a part of the community, fostering collaboration over competition while learning how to authentically find your voice and amplify others as a woman. Hi, 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 friends. I am so excited to have you listening to the podcast. I am your host, Dr. Natalie Crawford, and thank you so much for spending a little bit of your time today with me. I want to start by just saying this episode, if you're listening to it real time, is being released during National Infertility Awareness Week. This is a week that I love seeing so much media attention towards talking about fertility, breaking down barriers and stigma. And when I first started that Instagram channel all those years ago, nobody talked about this. And it is really refreshing to see the change. So I really appreciate you guys by listening to this and sharing it with those around you. You really help spread that message even further. So a huge thank you. Now, Last week, I put up a question box, and I am going to do a bonus Q&A episode later this week. But you guys, all the questions, so many of the questions were about Clomid or Letrozole. Why do you choose this? Why did my doctor choose that? What does this mean? And I think that just speaks to sometimes we as physicians, whether it's your OBGYN or your REI, we know why we choose something, and sometimes we don't do a really good job of telling you why we're choosing something. And then, of course... Not every physician is always the best, so it's always important for you to understand your body and what is going on and why we do what we do so that you can understand it the best. So let's just start at the very beginning. What is Clomid? What is Letrozole? And then I'm going to talk you through the different circumstances in which we use them and expectations. So this is going to be an episode a little more dedicated towards fertility treatments for somebody who's going through things. And I will admit, I see these medications misused, so I really want you to understand this. Both these medications are pills that you take. They work by trying to amplify the body's natural signal. So if we remember what happens naturally, I like to envision the ovary, that there is a vault inside where all your eggs are kept. When you're born, the vault is full. Throughout your life, eggs come out of the vault. And when the vault is empty, you're in menopause. Every month, a group of eggs is released from the vault. The size of which, meaning the number, is proportional to how many are inside. So somebody who has more eggs remaining, aka is younger, is going to have more eggs released per month than somebody who is older or going into menopause. Let's use somebody in their 20s and let's say they have about 20 eggs come out of the vault. In a normal month, one of these eggs will ovulate, the rest of them will die, and then the next month another group comes out. Well, we can't actually see these eggs, each egg is microscopic, but the eggs grow inside small fluid-filled structures called follicles. And we can see these follicles on ultrasound. So when we get a follicle count or an AFC, antral follicle count, or we check a blood test for AMH, anti-Mullerian hormone, the hormone that's made from the cells that surround all of these follicles outside the vault, we are checking your ovarian reserve, number of eggs that you have. And we are using a surrogate marker knowing that more come out when more are left behind. Now, in a month, however many eggs comes out, each egg is in a follicle, the brain and the ovary are best, best friends, and they want to just have one egg ovulate at a time because humans are supposed to carry babies one at a time. So what happens is the brain sends out FSH or follicle-stimulating hormone, super well-named hormone. Don't you love it when things are like this? FSH works by stimulating a follicle to grow. 
As that follicle grows, it makes estrogen. That estrogen gets the lining of the uterus to thicken up and prepare for pregnancy. The egg is mature and then ovulates. And then after it's ovulated, that follicle forms the corpus luteum, which makes progesterone to support an ongoing pregnancy. And if you're not pregnant, the process starts over again. So this process is constantly happening in our bodies. So we use medications such as clomid or letrozole, which are both known as ovulation induction agents, both in people who are not ovulating and in people who are ovulating, but we use them for different purposes. So let's talk through some of that now. Let's start with Clomid. Clomid is like the old school drug, meaning this is what's been around forever. This is what was originally used. This was the first ovulation induction medication that we had in pill form that we knew about. It stands for clomiphene citrate. This is a CIRM, a selective estrogen receptor modulator. I know, a fancy name. But essentially what it does is it blocks, it binds to, and it blocks the estrogen receptors. So the brain cannot have estrogen bind there. The brain then freaks out and says, oh my gosh, there's no estrogen. Well, how do I make estrogen? I should send out a stronger signal of FSH, and this is going to allow more estrogen to be made from a growing follicle. So when you use Clomid, it is a CIRM. Estrogen receptors are blocked. The body says, hey, there's no estrogen. So you send out a stronger signal of FSH. That's how Clomid works. Sounds pretty easy, right? Well... As you know, nothing's as easy as it seems. One is that the release of FSH is an indirect response, so I can't tell the brain exactly how much to send, and in each person, there's going to be a variable response. So Clomid comes in 50 milligram pills, and people can use one, two, three, or four pills at a time, so a dose of 50, 100, 150, or sometimes 200 would be the very max dose that you would ever use, and typically you take Clomid as a pulse for five days. So you're trying to give a short-term block of the estrogen receptors. However, your body really likes estrogen, and there's estrogen receptors in more than just the brain. So this does come with some side effects. So namely, when your brain feels like you don't have estrogen, this can be Symptomatic like menopause, you might have hot flashes, headaches, feel fatigued. The female brain likes to have estrogen around. So you can expect some of those. You can also have emotional um, exacerbations like feeling more labile in your mood, whether you're crying more or you're depressed. That is known to happen. And then there's estrogen receptors inside the uterus as well. And so one of the negative consequences of Clomid can be that in some people, about 5 to 10%, you can actually see a thinning of the uterine lining. Well, this is obviously less than ideal because we want that lining nice and thick to support an ongoing pregnancy when implantation occurs. Another side effect from Clomid can also be change in cervical mucus production. So you can have less cervical mucus when you're taking Clomid. And so if you're somebody who ever tracks your cervical mucus, you just need to know that may not be an effective way to determine when you're ovulating from Clomid. Clomid can be used to induce ovulation in people who do not ovulate and also used for what we call super ovulation or controlled ovarian hyperstimulation in people who do ovulate but have unexplained infertility. Clomid can sometimes also be used in IVF protocols for somebody who might be considered a low responder or who is using a minimal stimulation protocol because it's going to cause a release of that natural FSH from the brain. And coincidentally, FSH is the same medication we give in injectable form in IVF to get the eggs to grow. However, it's quite expensive. So this can sometimes get the process started with a little bit cheaper or a little bit easier way because pills are always easier than shots. Quite importantly, 
Clomid does not help everybody who doesn't ovulate, meaning some people, even on highest dose, won't release enough FSH. And big, big stars, if you have hypothalamic amenorrhea, meaning your brain does not have the ability to send out FSH because of caloric restriction, eating disorder, stress, chronic disease, over-exercising, whatever it is, if it can't send it out, then giving Clomid and telling it to send out more is not going to make sense. It's not going to work. So it does not work for people who have FHA or hypothalamic amenorrhea or who are hypo-hypo. It would be an inappropriate treatment for them. And yet I've seen that done. Letrozole is a different medication completely. I like to think of letrozole and Clomid as cousins, meaning they work similarly, but through very different mechanisms. So letrozole is also known as Femara, and it is an aromatase inhibitor. Aromatase is an enzyme, and it is an important enzyme in the step to make estrogen. And so an aromatase inhibitor blocks the production of estrogen. And so this is really important because then the brain senses that there is less estrogen, not zero estrogen, so you don't have quite as severe symptoms as you do from Clomid. And because it is not a serm and you don't have to worry about those estrogen receptors inside the uterus, you do not see a drop in the uterine lining with letrozole. And now a word from one of our sponsors, Apostrophe. With the temperatures starting to warm up, I'm so excited the summer is around the corner and getting ready and looking forward to the summer months. But I know that when I'm outside enjoying nature, I need to pick up supplies to prepare myself for summer adventures. And if you want to get your skin glowing in time for summer, it's time for you to get started with Apostrophe, who is sponsoring this episode. Apostrophe's goal is to help you feel confident in your own skin. So whether you're dealing with breakouts, signs of aging, or acne scarring, Apostrophe will help you love the skin you're in. I personally love that you get access to an expert dermatology team, a tailored treatment plan. It's simple to sign up for your first visit, and there is no in-person appointment or trip to the pharmacy needed. We have a special deal for our audience. Get your first visit for only $5 at apostrophe.com slash A-A-W when you use our code A-A-W. That's a savings of $15. This code is only available to our listeners. To get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash AAW and click get started. Then use the code AAW at sign up and you'll get your first visit for only $5. Thank you, Apostrophe, for sponsoring this episode. And now a word from one of our sponsors, Quince. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. And luckily I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. The best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands, but Quince partners directly with top factories, cutting out the cost of the middleman, passing the saving to us, and only working with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices. I personally cannot wait to wear my cute tan linen set this summer. So it's your turn to get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash A-A-W for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash A-A-W to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash A-A-W. Thank you, Quince. And now a word from one of our sponsors, Ritual. 
Did you know that women were excluded from clinical research policy by federal law until 1993? But women belong in scientific research. Their essential and ritual knows this. I choose ritual multivitamin every day because it is easy to take and I know that I am getting high quality and traceable ingredients in a clean and bioavailable forms. In fact, Ritual conducted a university-led human clinical trial for their Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin to assess its efficacy, and the results showed increase in vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. No my shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin that you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash A-A-W. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash A-A-W for 25% off. Thank you, Ritual. Letrozole is a newer medication used for ovulation induction, but by newer, I still mean 10 plus years. Originally, there was fear that letrozole could cause an increase in birth defects. That obviously sounds scary, or that there could be some toxicity to the fetus by using letrozole. So this was controversial for a while. However, this has not been seen in very large, very randomized controlled trials. So we feel very safe and confident using letrozole, but it does have some different indications for Clomid. So similarly, if you're not ovulating because you have hypo-hypo FHA, meaning the brain does not send out FSH, Letrozole is not going to help you. It works by having a lowered estrogen. The brain senses this lowering of estrogen and in response sends out an increase in FSH. If your brain can't do that, it's not going to work. So if you have hypo-hypo, FHA, these are not treatments for you. And if your doctor tries to give you Clomid or Letrozole without explaining that, new doctor. Okay, red flag, red flag. So you need either injectable gonadotropins or IVF, depending on your clinical scenario. Number two, if you ovulate and you have unexplained infertility, meaning you have periods every month, you've been ovulating, you either find a positive OPK or very regular periods, or you've had levels drawn, whatever, you have open fallopian tubes and you have a normal semen analysis. You now have unexplained infertility. You've been trying to get pregnant for six months or a year, depending on if you're over 35 or under 35, and you haven't gotten pregnant. Unexplained infertility. Please listen to this. Using Clomid or Letrozole empirically, or just having a doctor hand you a prescription for it and say, try this and have sex, increases your pregnancy rates 0%, and it is a waste of your time. And I see probably well-meaning physicians do this, but as a patient, you need to say, this is not the right treatment for me. Studies for unexplained infertility support the use of medications for super ovulation, trying to get more than one egg to grow with an IUI. That is going to give you a doubling in your chance of getting pregnant. That is statistically significant. And that is what you want. So if you have infertility and you already ovulate and somebody says, just take Clomid or Letrozole and have sex, not helping. Okay. I want to make sure we all understand that. And I mean, I even see physicians using this medication. So that does not overcome an unexplained infertility. And we do have a great study looking at this. In the most up-to-date study looking at this, they compared letrozole use to Clomid use to gonadotropin use or injectable hormones. And letrozole and Clomid 
both had the highest rates of live birth with the lowest rate of multiples when used for superovulation. And gonadotropins, although they did have a higher rate of live birth, they had a significantly higher rate of multiple pregnancies. So the summary from this study was that using Clomid or Letrozole, depending on the patient, is appropriate for unexplained infertility, but it favored not using gonadotropins because our goal is a healthy baby in your arms and not twins or triplets. So we start worrying about triplet pregnancies because we're purposefully making you ovulate more than one egg. So even though Clomid was the original study medication for super ovulation, Electrozole would be fine too. So people will use either one of those depending on the patient's circumstance. Now, if you have PCOS and you do not ovulate, the data has been clear that letrozole is the preferred medication for live birth rate. So that we know now. So if you don't have regular periods, you get diagnosed with PCOS. Let's remember that PCOS is when your ovaries have a lot of eggs in them and they don't respond to the normal FSH signal from the brain. And so I like to always use the analogy that the ovaries then start getting a little bit bored and shift to an androgen production environment and they start making more testosterone. This testosterone can cause some of the other symptoms we see such as hair growth, acne, central weight gain, insulin resistance, and you have to break this spell. PCOS is very complicated. I have episodes on it. I have YouTube videos on it because there's really different phenotypes, meaning there's no one size fits all for PCOS. Certainly in some women who are overweight, those fat cells actually make a type of estrogen also. This can dull or lessen the signal of FSH from the brain. And therefore, in those women, they actually don't ovulate. And if they lose a little bit of weight, you might see a resumption of ovulation. So that's why sometimes if you go and you Google PCOS, you'll see people talking about weight loss as first-line management. However, there's also Lean PCOS, meaning not everybody with PCOS is overweight. I like to think of it as an endocrine disorder, just like anything else. I hate when people shame others into PCOS. There are some lifestyle management things that will help some people, but not everybody. So sometimes, no matter how much you exercise right, are healthy, go to acupuncture, lower your stress, get good sleep, and eat the right foods, you still will not ovulate. And if this is you, please let yourself go of all of the self-blame that may exist. Because sometimes you may need ovulation induction, and that is okay. Modern medicine exists. These medications originally was Clomid, but now we know that letrozole has higher life birth rates. So this is from the PPCO study. And so that is my first line for somebody with PCOS because we get the highest odds of you holding a baby in your arms. So let's think about this all together because this is why there's so much confusion between Clomid and Letrozole. The last thing that I will say is there's sometimes some adjuncts you can add on to Clomid or Letrozole for somebody who's refractory. So not every medication is going to work for every person. Remember, we're not controlling how much FSH is released. Your brain has got to do part of the job. And I have some people who either will not ovulate even on the highest dose of Clomid or Letrozole. Okay, that treatment's not going to work for you. Or I have patients who will not respond to one dose and I go up to the next level and then they over-respond, meaning they have too many eggs. If you're going through treatment, it's really important to understand, one, what are you being treated for? What's your diagnosis? Two, why is this medication the best? Three, what are our goals with this treatment? And by goals, I mean 
follicles if you're undergoing monitoring. I'm a controlling person. I don't give medication without doing ultrasound monitoring. I know some general OBGYNs will give the lowest dose without monitoring, and that's perfectly fine and appropriate as long as they're treating the right thing. So let's just kind of review. If you do not ovulate regularly, let's remember that ovulating regularly means that you have a reliable and predictable period within one to two days of each other every month. If your period does not come in that interval, you might have ovulation dysfunction or an ovulation disorder. You need a workup. You need to check a thyroid, a prolactin. You need to find out if you're running out of eggs. Do you have PCOS? Do you have functional hypothalamic amenorrhea? Those are all very different etiologies that can contribute to failure to ovulate. Depending on what's going on, that will result in our treatment. So if you have thyroid or prolactin abnormalities, we usually treat with medication specific to that first. If you have PCOS and you have insulin resistance, you may be given metformin or something to help kind of improve the insulin, but you very often will need ovulation induction medications. I think it's fine if you're young and everything else works fine to give lifestyle measures a try. So this is not shocking news, but you know, eat lots of fruits and vegetables, whole grains, healthy fats, avoid sugar, processed foods, refined carbohydrates. It appears the more vegetable source protein over animal source protein, the more likely you are to ovulate. So I usually tell my PCO patients, meatless Monday, all right? And then your other days of the week have just one serving of meat. So you're purposely filling some of those meals with vegetable-based sources. And then other than that, you need to sleep. You need to get good exercise. Try to get to a healthy weight. If you're doing that and you're still having irregular periods, please, please, please go to your OBGYN or an REI. First line medication, if it's PCOS, should be letrozole. If you don't ovulate and it's some other reason, sometimes we just have chronic anovulation and we don't know why. Then it could be either clomid or letrozole, depending on your doctor's choice. If you're not ovulating well, but you have low ovarian reserve, I usually prefer Clomid has a slightly more robust response. So that's usually my option if somebody has low reserve. I also like Clomid for short luteal phase. If we think you're having a short luteal phase with cycle tracking, that has not been associated with infertility, but it might help us have an improved efficacy of getting pregnant faster. But that's my opinion. Your doctor may feel differently, but I like to get you to ovulate better and then supplement with progesterone versus just giving progesterone. And if you're, again, hypothalamic, meaning the brain's not working, none of these are appropriate. You need gonadotropins or FSH and LH, either with close observation for ovulation induction, although this carries very high risk of multiples, 30% or more, or IVF. I usually favor IVF because I can control more factors, it is safer, and many of these patients would desire more than one child. So it is a family planning mechanism. If you have unexplained infertility, you ovulate, your tubes are open, the sperm is fine, then you don't need just Clomid or Letrozole handed to you in a prescription and told to have sex. That's not going to help. So this is where we want ovulation induction plus an IUI. And our goals are really different, meaning for somebody who doesn't ovulate and I'm trying to get them to just ovulate, that's the missing piece. I usually want one or two eggs pending their age. For somebody who I want super ovulation, I usually want two to four eggs pending their age. The mechanism of their infertility is different. So I'm not going to accept a too high of a multiple rate because I don't help you if you get pregnant with triplets and you lose them all at 20 weeks. That's not adding to anything. 
medication of choice for unexplained infertility can be Clomid, can be Letrozole. Newer studies support that adding gonadotropins to either of those medications does not improve pregnancy rates and only increases multiple rates, so I do not do that anymore. You can use gonadotropins alone for this purpose. However, again, it does improve live birth rates, but at a significant risk of multiples, including high-order multiples. So most of us do not do this. It's rare that you need this, meaning most people who are already ovulatory, if you give them Clomid or Letrozole, they will have a higher signal of FSH and they will grow more than one follicle. So it's not hard to achieve superovulation in the already ovulatory patient for unexplained infertility. And gonadotropins come with risk and they are expensive. And in my mind, they should be saved most of the time for IVF. There are rare scenarios that I will use them. I never say never. But if your doctor is telling you you need to use them and you're already ovulatory, you need to just make sure you understand why. There may be a reason, like I said, that you deserve to know what's my diagnosis, what are we treating, what is my goal number of follicles for this treatment, what's my expected rate of success, what is my expected rate of multiples. Usually for clomid or letrozole, the chance of multiples is going to be less than 10%, and the chance of triplets is going to be very low as long as you're monitoring that follicle goal. That's not the case with gonadotropins. And lastly, you want to understand what is the parameter? How many cycles are you going to do? For unexplained infertility, there's very set guidelines that pregnancy rates start to decrease between three to six cycles. And after six, it's not going to help you and you need to do IVF. Most of my patients will do around three cycles and then they will move on to IVF because those cycles cost money, time is important, and we want to get you to that pregnancy. So we don't want to accept a decreasing chance of success. For ovulation induction, if you're using that because you don't ovulate, Typically, we can go up to six cycles, but at some point, even patients who you make them ovulate, they may also have some underlying unexplained infertility, and I know that's hard. So I tell my patients, if you ovulate with Clomid or Letrozole, we give it six goes, and you're not pregnant after that, you've now graduated to unexplained infertility, and I know that's not something that anybody ever wants to hear. So that means we either need to up our medication and add an IUI, or we need to talk about IVF and look broader. I personally don't like just giving anovulatory patients clomid or letrozole without an evaluation. You need to know what you're treating. And I also believe in checking a semen analysis and a tubal evaluation prior to starting medication because you don't want to waste your own time. If your tubes are blocked or you have no sperm, you're not going to get pregnant and it's going to be very frustrating to be six months down the road. That said, it is okay if you are young and you want to do that first because you haven't ovulated and your OBGYN or your fertility doctor is okay with it. It's not wrong, but just understand that you don't know what you don't know. And if you're 35 and older, I think you absolutely need the full evaluation because time is super important to you. Okay, well, I hope that helped. Again, when I put up that question box, I get so many questions about why did my doctor pick Clomid or why did they pick Letrozole? The take-home message is this should give you some foundation of why we might use these, but you should feel comfortable asking your doctor. And I know that's not the case. I know how hard it is to be a patient, but try to make sure that if you don't understand why they're doing something, that you have a resource to go and ask and ask your doctor why and advocate for yourself. So if you know you have FHA and somebody's giving you Colmid, does that make sense? Ask the question. How is this going to help me if my brain's not already working? You deserve 
the best care possible. I know how hard the current healthcare system is, and I am just trying to arm you with information so that you can have it all. Again, thank you guys so much for listening and supporting the channel. As always, you can follow along on Instagram at Natalie Crawford MD, or you can check out the YouTube channel. I've got lots of great videos over there. It is also Natalie Crawford MD. Thank you so much, friends. Hey guys, welcome to The Collective. I'm Brian Halfrich, a 26-year-old bioethics PhD student and clothing brand CEO. Welcome to my podcast where we talk all things health and wellness, navigating your 20s, and becoming the best version of yourself. So sit down, play that episode, and join The Collective. <laughs>